1: Everyone, you're listening to the Rotoviz Radio Draft Series, brought to you by the FFPC. I'm your host, Anthony Amico. Follow me on Twitter at Mixta. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Sean Slavin of 2QBs. You can find him on Twitter at Slavin22. Sean, thanks for
3: joining me. How's it going? Great, man. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, we're really excited to talk quarterbacks today with Sean. But before we get into it, I just want to remind everyone that you can get a discount to a Rotoviz Pass by signing up through the podcast homepage, rotavizcom slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools, and it supports the pod. You can also support the show by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz Radio channel on iTunes. Do that, and you'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league at the FFPC. Just go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to future episodes to hear if you are the winner. Also, if you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the road of His writers and podcasters, email us at rotovisradio at gmail.com, and we'll get that set right up. Now, uh, obviously shouldn't surprise anyone that we're talking QBs with Sean today. He is, of course, a quarterback writer at 2QBs, fantastic website, definitely recommend that you guys check that out. Uh, but before we start talking a, a little bit more about the specific quarterbacks in the 2018 draft i wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about uh i'm, I'm going to call it uh 10 i mean can i say that is that is that appropriate i, I mean this is your metric uh, <laughs> you created this uh you know you've been applying it to some of the draft prospects i mean can you just explain a little bit of, of what this is
3: yeah so uh me and greg from two qbs we uh just called it Tanya makes it a little easier. Right. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just a spin off of the popular quarterback efficiency metrics that you see, AYA, um any N E A or A N Y A, however you say that one. <laughs> um but it also incorporates rushing into the mix, so um, takes into account all aspects of a quarterback's game, um, at least the main things, passing, rushing, avoiding sacks. Um, at the NFL level, it adds a bit of predictiveness over AYA and NEY, and, uh, but it adds a little bit more context with the rushing, which um, adds a little bit of value to the mobile quarterbacks, which I think are a little bit, Underappreciated by the standard metrics.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely a, a mobile quarterback fan. I mean, is part of this part of this like introduction of the rushing is that because like the sack yards are included there? Like, what was the oh, I guess what was kind of the the idea there behind adding in the rushing?
3: So uh, when I started off this offseason digging into um, quarterback prospect research, I was got my hands on college data from Sports Reference, and I was actually just trying to get um, A-N-Y-A, um, AYA with the with SACS Incorporated, but college data, until recently, ha- hasn't split out rushes from SACS, so um, it's pretty hard to find that data split out. So I just decided to add in... That rushing data, which included sacks, and found that it increased predict- predictiveness, and it actually it was better because it took into account every aspect of the game. And I checked it at the NFL levels, and it actually can predict AYA a little bit better than AYA does itself. It's it's essen- It's almost the same. It's a marginal difference, but. Um, Rushing is a really stable part of a quarterback's game, so um, that's where that little add in predictiveness comes from.
1: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and I should probably say for the listeners who don't know, uh, NEA, A-N-Y-A, is just adjusted net yards per attempt, so Sean's metric is uh, Tanya, the the T is just total, so total adjusted net yards per attempt. That's the difference here with the rushing. Now, you mentioned a little bit uh, in terms of uh, predicting quarterback success, how has uh tanya done in terms of predicting quarterback success for you know maybe some
3: guys in the past evaluating prospects is where tanya really makes it money it's money uh like i said at the nfl level it's really just gives you a different perspective with um, similar outcome but um for college quarterbacks and how they translate to the pros, it's significantly better than the other stats, especially because um, we don't even have the sacks in there with AYA. Um, so, But adding the rushing and the sacks in makes it a little bit more predictive, but um, the biggest bump is when I adjust for schedule and era. Um it really, uh, yards per attempt on its own can predict draft capital at about a 0.11 R squared. Uh, a- AYA is 0.125. And then Tanya, when it's scheduled and error adjusted, the R squared is 0.18. So they're all not great, as you can see, because there's a lot more that goes into draft capital and what teams value than just college efficiency, but Tanya is the standard when it comes to those efficiency metrics and um, on top of that some film, age, size, other things go into what teams are looking at.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned that uh, you know, Tanya doing a better job than some of these other metrics in terms of predicting draft position. How does Tanya compare to something like draft position in terms of predictability? Because you know, typically we say that draft position is kind of like the gold standard in terms of you know what a guy's going to do at the next level across all positions. Uh, so how does Tanya compare there to uh, draft position?
3: It depends on your definition of NFL success for quarterbacks. If you measure success purely by longevity or something that's heavily influenced by Longevity, um, um, draft capital can't be beat. Uh, Draft capital has about uh, .3, wait, actually .5 are squared with uh, total attempts for quarterbacks that are drafted. And even if I add in Tanya and a couple other metrics, I can only marginally improve that, and it's not even worth it at that point. So NFL teams are... How I put this, they're either really good at sniffing out which quarterbacks will last in the pros, or they're unwilling to change their opinions <laughs> because um, Tanya is, once you account for quarterbacks that, I should say, once you disregard quarterbacks that don't accrue significant sample sizes in the NFL, there's almost no correlation between draft capital and efficiency. And that's where Tanya comes in. There's a signal between college efficiency and NFL efficiency. And when you add things like age and mobility to the model, it gets even better.
1: Awesome. So I guess, so would it be fair then to say that, like, draft position is determining, like, who gets opportunity? And then Tanya does a really good job of saying, like, what is this guy going to do with that opportunity, you know, if if and when he gets it?
3: Yeah, and generally the quarterbacks at the top of the draft are going to be better. It's not like teams are – it's really just an unwillingness to change their, their opinions. Teams are good at figuring out which quarterbacks are good in a general scheme, but in a general sense – uh. But on a micro level, it just you can't just look at draft capital and see who are going to be the stars. Um, when you look at top five picks, other things really matter. All
1: right, great. So we're going to talk a little bit more about these particular quarterbacks in this class. But first, I have a brief message to you from the FFPC. I want to tell you about our friends at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home. Of season-long high-stakes fantasy football for most people it's the offseason but not for the FFPC if you're ready to draft now the FFPC best ball leagues are drafting daily with entry fees starting at just $35 they have both slow and live drafts to fit drafters of all types and if you like dynasty the FFPC has almost 200 active dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at $77 and going up to $2,500 And here's something incredible. Not a single Dynasty League has folded in eight years at the FFPC. New Dynasty Leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching right after the NFL draft. Don't miss out on the FFPC experience. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. And I think for me, you know, it, it makes sense for us to segue... You know our, our FFPC listeners, our, our guys who are getting into the Dynasty Leagues, you need to know who these quarterbacks are. So uh, now that we've talked a little bit about Tanya, let's get into the quarterbacks. This is obviously a much-heralded class. I think it's starting to look like maybe we'll get four guys that are drafted inside of the top six in the quarterback position. So uh, you know, put simply, Sean, who do you like the best, and who do you like the best specifically for
3: fantasy? So currently Sam Darnold, sits atop my rankings for looking at it from a pure NFL perspective. If I was an NFL GM, I'd take him number one. He's the most well-rounded prospect of the bunch. Um, No prospect is perfect, especially when you get into nitty-gritty details, but he's the only guy I see in this class without any clear statistical weaknesses, Um, at least among the Attributes that I find that va- valuable um, his final year efficiency was a bit low for a first round prospect and his mobility is mediocre but not concerning if I have to knock him on something it's those two things but his size overall college efficiency rankings among scouts and age are all strengths um, he doesn't In fact, he'll be the youngest quarterback to be drafted since at least 2004. Um, There may have been someone younger before that, but uh, that's just what I have in front of me. But um, that's the only thing he stands out in. Um, Baker Mayfield, obviously, is one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time when you look at efficiency, and that's what I value. So, I'm leaning towards Baker Mayfield and a dynasty league, but if I'm in an NFL team, I want Sam Darnold by a little bit.
1: I think that's really interesting because a lot of, I basically consider you to be a stats-based guy. I think most of the stats community is like really enamored with Mayfield. What is the, I guess, what's like the deciding factor between Mayfield and someone like Darnold from an NFL perspective?
3: Probably just because I do take into account draft capital into my model Um, despite the fact that um, it doesn't predict efficiency on its own when um, using Tanya and draft capital as the two main variables and then adding in things like age, mobility and height, um, my model is able to predict Longevity just as well as draft capital on, on its own, but improve on efficiency. So if Sam Darnold being the consensus number one, unless you believe some of the reports that Josh Allen's going to go number one, really weighs into my model. Teams love him, and that matters.
1: All right, great. Yeah, I mean, uh, to reference what you were talking about earlier, Darnold will be the youngest quarterback Ever to be drafted, um, but he won't be the youngest ever to start Week One if he does that because uh, the the time of the draft has moved up, so he's picked up like some time on some of those older guys. Uh, but he uh, so he will be the youngest drafted, but he won't be the youngest ever to start. But still, obviously, you know, prolific in terms of the age. Uh, so we know who your number one guy is. Let's let's kind of just work our way down the board here. Who would be your second quarterback? And again, if you could get. But you get a perspective here from you know again the NFL and for fantasy.
3: So just for NFL, like I said, Baker Mayfield's right behind Sam Darnold. Um, his his size is the only real weakness, but from my research, short quarterbacks with his statistical profile do just fine in the NFL. Um, it's not ideal. I'd rather have a quarterback with his college production and size, but um, it's not a red flag to me at all. We see guys like Russell Wilson and Drew Brees that are the standouts, but um, other quarterbacks in college who are short but were um, had outstanding efficiency do just fine. Besides that, his age is another thing that um, He lags behind the other top QBs. Um, Darnold, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Rosen are all really young for prospects, and Mayfield, I think, is about two years older. But that's just a small piece of the puzzle, Um, and it actually helps being older with rookie year performance, so that's a plus for fantasy purposes, and part of the reason why I'd rather take him in a – dynasty draft, especially because I value um, basically winning now. I want a guy who can start now and start accruing value. Um, Darnold probably will play right away, but um, Mayfield being m- mobile and a little bit older, I think he'll, he has a better chance to um, just start off his NFL career on the right track.
1: I think that makes a lot of sense and I think for me like you mentioned obviously kind of the instantaneous production Uh, that's why I really like Lamar Jackson I mean he was someone that uh, I ranked second on my quarterback list at two quarterback at two QBs and a big part of that is is kind of the rushing I think you mentioned a little bit earlier we were just talking about Tanya like that rushing production is probably going to be relatively stable in his career we're not 100% positive exactly what it looked like yet but the fact that he's going to get, uh, you know, I don't know. I would say conservatively, conservatively, probably at least four rushing attempts a game as a rookie, like when he starts. Um, that's going to build, you know, a, a good floor. I think into his weekly production. So I think, uh, I think that definitely gives Lamar Jackson a nice little bump for me.
3: Yeah, definitely. And he rounds out my top tier of quarterbacks, um, no matter what perspective, NFL dynasty. Um, and an argument can definitely be made for number one. Um, his weaknesses come down to height, but he's not that short. He's really on the just a little bit on the lower side. And how some scouts feel about him—if not for that—he um, would join Darnold as one of the most well-balanced quarterback prospects of recent memory, which may not (laughs) float well in the mainstream, but that's how I view Lamar Jackson. I think he's even more well-rounded than Baker Mayfield. Mayfield just had incredible college efficiency, and um, he's mostly banking on that and his mobility, but Lamar Jackson is similar in both regards and has a little bit more height. He played in the most pro-style offense out of all the top quarterbacks at Louisville. Um, So I I really like Lamar Jackson. He's just um, a little bit behind the other guys um, in my NFL rankings. But he, he had strong college efficiency. He's super young. He has elite mobility there's there's an argument to be made at number one. Uh, and so I definitely feel you ranking him at number two. I could definitely get on board with that. It's, it's really nitpicking between these three guys. It's a great class. And another thing, just like you were talking about, um, mobility being important, especially for rookie year efficiency, and I've actually found that it's the most important attribute for – rookie year success of quarterback prospects um, I have a separate model um, aside from my like long-term outlook for the quarterback prospects that just deals with rookie year efficiency um, and mobility is by far the most important factor than college efficiency and then age being older this time so because of that Lamar would be my top rookie QB for redraft leagues, assuming they all had a starting gig. Um, whoever gets to start week one, if there's only one of them, it's going to be that guy. But all else equal, um, I he's the only one that really stands out as far as rookie readiness to me. Mayfield's also good too. The other guys are more projects.
1: Yeah, and I, I think a lot of what you're saying matches up with some of the work that you've done, I know you sent me like the uh, you know like the comps graph. I don't know if that's something that you've posted anywhere yet, but you know like I'm I'm kind of looking through some of the you know comparables that you have for a lot of these guys, and uh, you know it makes a lot of sense to me. I mean uh, you know you look at a guy like a Sam Darnold that looks like a lot of his closest comps are uh, guys like Jameis Winston, Sam Bradford, Matthew Stafford, like guys who. I don't know, maybe we had to warm up to a little bit, but are our, our guys that are probably franchise signal callers. Uh, and then you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson and his closest comps are closer to, like, Tim Tebow, Johnny Manziel, uh, guys who, at least so far, like haven't shown any kind of longevity but were able to produce. I mean, Tebow had a stretcher. He was definitely a you know startable quarterback, maybe even a QB1, uh, and he basically didn't throw the ball ball at all. So, like, you know, if we can get a little bit more out of Jackson – even if maybe he doesn't have the same kind of career in terms of the length as Darnold, uh, yeah, he certainly can uh, can cue up some fantasy points.
3: Yeah, and Lamar Jackson's readiness to produce in his rookie year is a great reason to target him in Dynasty Leagues. He's probably going to be cheaper than Darnold, Mayfield, and uh, Josh Rosen, and my long-term outlook for him is in the top tier, but also, he's going to produce right away. He's going to put up numbers in fantasy. And um, anyone who wasn't as high on him coming into the into the draft or in, in his rookie year is going to want him. And you'll be able to cash out on Jackson after a season or two as long as he lives up to that. And you really get a nice profit from that.
1: Yeah, I like that strategy a lot. Now you. You have mentioned Josh Rosen a couple times. Is he your number four quarterback, or is it somebody else?
3: He's my number four quarterback, and he's probably my most contrarian projection on the top guys because of that. Um, A lot of people have him at number one, um, both for NFL and fantasy purposes. Um, But besides also being about 21 years old he is completely different from Jackson as a prospect by the things I look at his mechanics are raved about by scouts Uh, his mobility is a concern for me and his college efficiency was middling at best for a first round quarterback it's basically the opposite of Lamar Jackson I still like him as a top 8 pick and in next month's draft, but he's overvalued as a dynasty asset from my perspective. Um, He's in the second tier for long-term outlook, but also I was talking about my rookie readiness model, and Rosen is actually the least rookie-ready prospect of any first-round pick since 2004. Um, It might seem weird considering Scouts raving about his mechanics but he's he's not mobile he wasn't great in college um, I don't see why he would be great right away even if those mechanic if the mechanics are so great and that led to NFL success right away why didn't that lead to more success in college that's kind of how I look at it
1: yeah, Rosen is so intriguing to me because, like, he, he really does feel like Eli Manning to me, and I know I've seen, like, that comp thrown out a few times, but, like, in the sense that he's just always been considered to be a great quarterback prospect, and he hasn't done anything to move people off of that. Like, you know, he started as a true freshman at UCLA, uh, you know, started before, you know, basically broke out in terms of like what he did in a college offense before his 19th birthday. The only guy that I have uh, in my database that that's done that previously is Christian Hackenberg, and obviously we know that Hackenberg didn't work out. But I think there were a lot of other uh, variables in effect there. The point really is just that you know, while Darnold's overall age is prolific, uh, Rosen's Rosen having three years under his belt as a college starter is also incredibly rare. So. We have kind of like these um you know like this class has presented for us i guess you know three or four i would say probably four really unique prospects because we have uh you know darnold with his his pure age rosen with his uh pedigree uh lamar jackson with kind of the all-around production and mayfield in terms of you know his his throwing efficiency like we just have like four really kind of uh unique and I don't want to say like statement prospects, but I feel like how some of these guys work out is maybe going to impact how we view the position kind of going forward.
3: Right. And um, just going back, just like I said, Lamar Jackson, Jackson is someone I'm targeting in Dynasty, but if he works out after a couple of years, I'd cash in because his long-term outlook, while well, it, it's still – great. It's not as high as Darnold and Mayfield. Um, in that same perspective, but the other way, while I recommend fading Rosen in rookie drafts for Dynasty, he'll make a great buy candidate in a year or two if he doesn't produce early, like I'm predicting. I wouldn't expect quite the jump that Jared Goff showed this past year, but Goff, Matt Stafford, Eli, just like you said, fit Rosen's profile almost exactly in that regard where I had a very solid long-term grade but low rookie readiness. So if, if you fade Rosen and he doesn't do well in his rookie year, don't shy away from him buy-in if he if he ends up doing well in his rookie year his his value is going to go pretty high and uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm planting my flag and betting that he's he's going to struggle and look like golf and then um, his second or third year he'll, he'll really pick it up all
1: right I like that uh, we definitely like to take stands here at Roto-Viz. Uh let's get to number five Sean let's round out the top five who you got?
3: It's it's Josh Allen, um, and for him, it's mostly the projected draft capital propping him up. Uh, his size, age, and mobility—sorry, uh, his size, age, and mobility are appealing for sure. But quarterbacks with his college efficiency are simply not prospect material. From all the study studying and research I've done this off season. Um His career, Tanya, is really a red flag for a first-round pick. There's only been five first-rounders in the last 15 years who are less efficient than Josh Allen. It's Jay Cutler, Christian Ponder, Josh Freeman, J.P. Losman, and Joe Flacco. So you have a, a couple hits there, but um, uh, none of them – were taken in the top ten, so Allen would really be the first one to go top ten with that bad of efficiency in college. Um, Matt Ryan is probably the closest out of top five picks, so he's really his role model. Um, if <laughs> there's at least a precedent for him succeeding, and that's why I still have him at five, and um, I still think he's a solid second-round pick. I just I just don't think he's up there with the top four guys in this class. Um, even more concerning is uh, his final year, Tanya. Um, there's only a few guys that have even been taken on day two of the draft with um, Tanya as bad as his. Um, Drew Stanton, C.J. Bethard, Sean Mannion, and oh, yeah. Trent. And Trent Edwards. They're the only QBs taken in the first three rounds that All the studs. <laughs> yeah, that had a final year Tanya below six. Um, and stands the only one in the top eighty eight picks. So really that has been a thing in the past that has really scared teams away. Um Jay Cutler is the only success story. If you up that threshold a bit, and maybe Jacoby Brissett um, is on his way if, if he gets a chance to show out. Um, but it's while final year Tanya didn't show up in my in my model. Um, it's still just looking at it that way. And looking at the only quarterbacks who are that bad, but still to get drafted high, it's just, it's not a good look for Allen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if you're if you're into, like, Dane Cook, the comedian at all, but, like, ten years ago, he had, like, this thing where he was like, oh, like, you know, what's your favorite Jolly Rancher flavor? He'd be like, don't say, he's like... <laughs> Don't you dare say sour apple. Like, sour apple sucks. <laughs> you say, if you think sour apple is good, you meet me in the hallway and I'll I'll stab you in the jaw. Like, that's how I feel about Josh Allen. Like, pick any quarterback in the class. Like, but if you think Josh Allen is good, like, we have to really talk because he sucks. Like, he I, I don't, you know, I hate to say anything with confidence in terms of what we do. Like, I hope that he's good, right? Like, this is a young kid looking to make his dreams happen. Like, I hope he's good. I hope Josh Allen goes out and and tears it up. But if we're playing the probabilities, which I think is what we should be doing, particularly as fantasy players, but obviously if you're a, you know, an NFL GM, you're doing that also. Like, there's really not a lot on the profile to like, like you said, and the fact that we're basically, we're basically, you know, pitting our hopes on his success on the fact that he's going to get drafted high, and not on like any of the metrics that would display any kind of skill. Like, that's a huge red flag, especially when you know, he played at a lower, I mean, he played Division One football, but he played it in, in a smaller conference. Like, you would have expected him to, you know, tear it up. I mean, we've seen, we've seen guys play in, like, the MAC and the WAC and, you know, every other act you can think of and, you know, have, like, these really good passing efficiency numbers and then suck in the NFL. You know, so now we have Josh Allen, who's going to go, like, in the top five because he's big and, uh, you know, he doesn't have any of that. So, I'm, I uh he is like a, a clear stay away for me.
3: <laughs> yeah, um I I totally feel you there. I'm a lot closer to um to you on Josh Allen than um the mainstream media. Um I do think he has a high ceiling, which is why I'd still prefer him over Mason Rudolph for um a dynasty league. Um if it's a one-quarterback league. Um, in a two-quarterback league, I think I'd prefer Mason Rudolph because I think he has a higher chance to just be a decent quarterback and maybe be a nice QB2 or um, or a streamer type in a two-quarterback dynasty. Um, but Allen has a higher ceiling, and while I don't think He has a high chance for success. If he does hit, he could hit big. And um, for quarterbacks in a one-quarterback dynasty, that's what you're looking for. You're not looking for the QB 15. You're looking for someone who has a chance to be top eight, top five.
1: All right. I like uh, all the analysis there. Now, that's your top five quarterbacks, but is there one passer in this class that kind of stands out to you as a potential sleeper?
3: So, I just touched on Mason Rudolph a little bit, and he comes to mind just because I believe he belongs in the discussion with some of the guys ahead of him, Josh Allen and Josh Rosen especially. Um, If it wasn't for his low projected draft capital, he'd be in the top tier for me. Um, His... Mobility and uh, Scouts take on his film are weaknesses, but his combination of size and college efficiency is really intriguing, especially if it comes at a significantly lower price than the top QBs. In the NFL draft, that means late first, possibly even second round. Um, In Dynasty drafts, it means maybe a round later than Josh Allen, which... I'd much rather have Rudolph at that price. Um, But looking deeper than that, Logan Woodside is my favorite mid-to-late-round quarterback. Um, I have Kyle Laletta at seven, but Woodside is my eighth-ranked quarterback. I have a fourth-round grade on him, maybe late third, but most mocks have him going in the sixth round, seventh round, if at all, with Lalletta going two or three rounds above him. Um, And I don't see that big of a difference between them, so I'd much rather wait and grab Woodside if I'm an NFL team. Um, He had great college efficiency. Um, He had a really easy schedule, one of the easiest schedules in the out of any quarterback in this class, but even when I adjust for that Dings is Tanya a lot. Um, His efficiency slots right between Lamar Jackson and Mason Rudolph for third um, in the 2018 class. Uh, He doesn't have much else going for him. He's he's not that tall, he's not really mobile, Um, doesn't seem to be too much on his film that teams love, so He's not a – I don't think he's a day-two prospect for me, but fourth round is fine, and NFL teams can do a lot worse than taking a shot at him in the mid or especially late rounds if he falls that far.
1: Oh, I mean, you're you're speaking music to my ears. Like, I, I'm with you on both these guys. Like, I think that, um, you know, Rudolph obviously has displayed – fantastic efficiency i know it's the big 12 and and people love to yam him about that but you know over 10 yards uh sorry over 10 adjusted yards per attempt this year uh you know 10 in back-to-back years like he's just he's killing it i mean this is a kid who's never had lower than 8.9 yards per attempt in a season um just really impressive And, and i'm with you on woodside too i i think it actually was the two qbs podcast that came on a couple weeks ago and I was talking to Greg, and he asked who my favorite sleeper was, and I also said Woodside. So we're on the same <laughs> we're on the same page at two QBs. I mean, I, and that shouldn't surprise any of guys because we look at a lot of the same stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that he's not getting more buzz. The last time I checked, in terms of like where Woodside would be drafted, he looked like he was like he had a chance to not even get drafted, which I thought was was insane. Like, uh, you know, he does so many things better. I think already than a lot of the guys that will get drafted ahead of him. Uh, like I just feel like he he deserves the opportunity to, to be selected. So I, I do hope that he gets picked. Uh, if he doesn't, you know I don't know, maybe we get Ryan Fitzpatrick 2.0 or something, like just a guy that can be like a spot starter down the road. But I, uh, I'm definitely pulling for him. Same here. <laughs> uh, now, it is important that we talk about the guys that maybe we don't think will make it so who is your uh, biggest quarterback bust? Or at least I shouldn't say who is your biggest quarterback bust, but who is the quarterback, I guess, that you think has the best chance to bust?
3: Um, picking Josh Allen is probably low-hanging fruit at this point. Um, but out of the top guys, he has the biggest chance to bust overall. And then also, like I said before, I'm really low on Rosen. Compared to consensus, I don't think he has a high chance to bust. I just don't like his range of outcomes as much as the other top guys. Um, beyond that, um, you're talking about Logan Woodside and the mid-rounds. Um, the mid-round prospects that I would not touch until round six at the very earliest but are going earlier in mock drafts that i'm seeing are luke falk and mike white um to me mike white is an older version of rosen without the mechanics so um comparing him to rosen might seem like a strong thing but uh an older version without the mechanics really takes away everything that we like about Rosen. <laughs> so, um, so that's I don't I don't like him. Uh, the film guys like him a lot. Um, it, compared to some of the other mid-round prospects, but I just don't see it. Um, and then, and Folks' tape must really be something Thing because I can't see anything in the numbers that I hang my hat on. Yeah, age, age mobility efficiency, nothing sticks out to even be a mid-round pick.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on on all that. I think uh, the guy that really stands out to me, and we've talked about him before, Kurt Banker. I like, I just there are people who are putting on for Kurt Banker every single day. Like right now someone is putting on for Kurt Banker as we, as we record this podcast, someone somewhere is arguing that Kurt Banker is good. And I just, I, I won't stand for it. I refuse. Um, like, like when I, when I look at Kurt Banker and his career adjusted yards per attempt of 6.3, I'm thinking like Josh Allen with none of the upside. Like that's like, at least, like, people are seeing things in Josh Allen. Like, you mentioned, like, how people look at the film uh, for a guy like Rosen. Like, pretty similar to Allen, right? Like, there's things that he does that at least someone somewhere is like, hey, like, maybe if he did this more often, he would be good. And then Kirk Bankert is, like, also kind of big with a strong arm, but, like, doesn't have as many of those moments. Like, I feel like his, it's like Josh Allen with more variance and a lower ceiling. Like, I'm just not, I'm not into it.
3: Yeah, I completely agree with you, and I'll add Tanner Lee into that uh, same same mold. Both of those guys, they're going in the sixth or seventh round in some of the mocks. I've seen Benkert go in the fifth, um, but their Tanya is terrible. There's only three quarterbacks to be drafted since 2004 out of 168 that are comparable. Trent Edwards, Nathan Enderley, and B.J. Coleman. Um, It's quarterbacks that were that bad in college simply don't get drafted even in the seventh round. Trent Edwards is the biggest anomaly as a third round pick, but he did not pan out. And um, Trevor Simeon is probably the closest, and he didn't even pan out.
1: Alright, well, a lot of great stuff that you gave to us today, Sean. That's going to do it for this edition of the Road of His Draft series. Special thanks to Sean Slavin for joining me today. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at Slavin22, and you know, check out all of his work over at 2QBs. He already has uh, three really good articles about Tanya, which we talked about today, so make sure you read those. Uh, I'm Anthony Meek, as you know, at Amiksta, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Draft Series. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30-minute discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage at rotovis.com slash podcast.
2: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
0: The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better.